0: Hi, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good. good. We're gonna talk about one of our favorite topics. This is one of the topics I think that co- is ends up being like our coffee <laughs> topic yes. all the time. It comes back to this quite often. You're why correct. don't you? Why don't you tell everyone what we're gonna talk about today? So today we're gonna talk
1: about the definition, or um, I don't know, the definition of care. What does it mean to care for people and love people? Pretty complicated, maybe pretty layered, but then at the same time, very simple and misunderstood (laughs) and misunderstood most of the time, most of the time it is, it is. So when I think of caring for someone, um, you know, I've been in ministry for a long, long time since I'm old now and have facilitated (laughs) care ministries, um, at several different churches. And I've had this experience where, um, I asked people what their definition of care is or how they feel cared for and it's amazing I get as many different answers as the number of people I ask because everybody experiences that a little bit differently and everybody receives it or feels love maybe in a different way I'm sure you've heard of the book the five love languages right
0: so everybody's I'm all of them they're all (laughs) just so you know I need all five I'll emphasize gifts just because but no I'm just kidding
1: (laughs) If anyone wants to send Tina a gift, then you will have hit her love language. Um, but we do acknowledge that people are wired differently and that yes. they can feel cared for differently. At the same time, we can go, we can look at that as how individual care can be experienced. But then we we talk about the ultimate care or the ultimate love. Obviously, from our perspective, that's helping people understand and engage in a relationship with Jesus Christ because that. Is the ultimate love and the ultimate care is connecting with Him, reconciling with God, and um having that relationship with Him as our Lord and Savior. So, yeah, Amen. That's Those good. Two spectrums there, and everything in between.
0: Yeah, I'm super excited. I'm gonna kind of give away an upcoming podcast okay. uh, with David. Spoiler Bell. alert! I know. Spoiler alert. We need. The, I don't. I didn't hear an alarm button um, like the. Anyway, I have an office scene coming to my mind, which I won't, (laughs) I won't reference. Um, But um, with uh, David Bell, hopefully. Yes. I know we're trying to get him to come talk about Enneagram personalities. Yes. um, Because we are wired so different. And so we hear things different, our filter's different. But there is sort of a standard of how to love. Yes. Kind of. Yes. I would agree. I would agree. So I think as some of this, we actually, in the podcast we did with your friend, Lori Burns yes, uh, from New Day, talked a little bit, and I think we're going to have another one. We're going to have her back on just to talk about like uh, the difference between, uh, she she came, we talked about addictions and we didn't really get to talk about families and addictions as much. So we're hoping to do that. But Mm -hmm. one of the questions that's like on my brain is Mm -hmm. the difference between, you know, supporting someone and enabling someone. Yeah. And as Christians, how do we care for people in the right way? Right, right. Um, Yeah. So I think one thing that I
1: know that I kind of have to check at the door, you know, when I ask myself this question, like I'm, I'm engaging with a person and obviously they have a need or need to be cared for. It's checking my own heart to say, what is my motive in this? Because sometimes we can get our human stuff good. mixed up in this. Like, for instance, we're both pastors, right? Mm-hmm. So we're supposed to be loving <laughs> <laughs> right. because we're pastors. And we're supposed to be loving because we're moms, we're friends, we're Christians. You know, um, There's all this expectation of, and, and maybe even... Um, Making loving synonymous with the word nice, you know, um, pleasing, um, whatever other words that you want to use. And so I think it's super important when we're talking about how we care for people well, we have to figure out and check our own heart and our own motives to begin with to say, is there something, is there a reason that I might be doing this? (laughs) That's really good. In my own heart that maybe is part of image management or it just really makes me feel good about me. Like, I like to be seen as a caring person. I want to be known as a helpful person, a resourceful person. And so even if maybe that's not what's best for someone, I could, without checking myself, go down a road of saying maybe what they want to hear or doing what they want me to do because that makes them feel good or it's going to relieve a pain.
0: Or doing things like giving them things they need just because they would be happy with me and that makes me feel good. Or I can say I have done this thing or even just, you know, I know God is happy with me right now. Like, right. Yeah, you're right. The motives are so many. Right. So that, I think that is the first thing is we just have to start there
1: right in a posture of humility to say we have our own human brokenness that we're working through every day and we have a foggy lens sometimes and based on where we're at um, in our own life what is the motive behind us doing what we're doing or same if. Is it ever keeping us from doing what we need to be doing, you know, because of those same things? It's like, I don't want to say that because it might hurt image or, you know, management or image management, or it may hurt someone's feelings. Um, I just don't want to be known for that. Or And obviously we don't want to ever hurt somebody on purpose.
0: Which I think is more of the norm. I yeah. think I think people often don't say things that need to be said because they don't want to risk losing friendship or right reputation or relationship right. right absolutely yeah one of the other things is you, we were talking about you know when you're getting ready to go through the door to sit with someone mm-hmm. <clears throat> is also not just checking your motives and your filter because mm-hmm. another thing when you're talking about things that would hold you back it could be fear, dysfunction in your own mm-hmm. family, your own family history, things that you've had happen that have been painful that you're trying to avoid experiencing again. Right. So you're like, okay, boundaries are up here. I got a wall over here. So checking all of those things. But then the other thing is trying to gain a clear understanding of their expectations right, to make sure that there's not a misunderstanding right. of, you know, because I think sometimes the fear is, well, or or if I express a need, right? Sometimes the um, fear would be, oh, they're telling me that they're struggling financially. They right. expect me to give mm-hmm. to them right. to help solve the problem. And that might not be at all what they're saying, or it may mm-hmm. be, right. you know, but kind of being okay with asking hard questions and yes. what are your expectations right. from me in this conversation? Right, right.
1: I find that to your point, reflecting back to people, oftentimes what you're hearing them say to make sure that there's clarity with that because it's easy to play the assumption game, right? Is to maybe look at someone, hear the situation, maybe a thumbnail sketch of the situation and be like, okay, I'm going to move into action. Like I'm an action person. I like (laughs) movement, right? right? But pausing and again, hearing them out. And like you said, asking those very clarifying questions to say, what is truly going to be of help to this person? Um, super important.
0: Because you think. can even say to assume you know what that need is and to move on that without an unction from the Lord mm-hmm. or without them directly asking or telling you is sort mm-hmm. of presumptuous. Right, right. And it does, that. I think that is when you cross the line of like, whose, whose need am I meeting right now? Mm-hmm. Is this about me right now? Or mm-hmm. is this about them? Like what's happening when you're, yeah. When your solution has nothing to do with anything they've said, <laughs> there's a good marker. Uh, right. This may not apply to <laughs> marriage by the way. I'm like, <laughs> my poor husband, like <laughs> what's wrong? <laughs> nothing. <laughs> Are you sure? I'm sure. You know? So yeah. Yeah different relationship, different context. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Please pray for him. Yes, It's a rough life. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Poor guy.
1: Poor guy. But yeah, I mean, discernment is the best tool in the care tool bag, I would say 100% is again, listening to the Holy Spirit, hearing people's stories, checking your own motives, and then looking at what Jesus modeled, right? When yeah. he was here. So think you were talking about a story that came to mind for you. Yes. Well,
0: you know, cuz when we started talking about this, we're like, what is this topic really? And we're kind of talking about how to give truth and love. Right. Um because I think what happens is people uh I'm this is a generalization, it's not everyone, but I think people, I think especially Christians in the church favor the love over the truth, sure. Uh, for self-protection, to protect relationship. I've been guilty of that myself. Like Mm -hmm. it's, it can feel very tricky to navigate um, when you see a need for truth to be spoken, but you love that person greatly, like how to do that. The story that came to mind was the story of the rich young ruler. Yeah. um, When, you know, he's asking Jesus, what do I need to do? And Jesus is saying, you need to sell everything, (laughs) you know, (laughs) give it all up and follow me. And The rich young ruler's response at the end of that conversation is he's despondent. Yeah. He's heartbroken. He's sad. Yeah. But it was the truth. And I think the interesting thing about that story is when the rich young ruler walked away, what Jesus didn't do was chase after him to keep the relationship. Right. He didn't go after him, like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Are you okay? Are you all right? Are we okay? Like, he he's the love was the truth yes and I don't think we could ever say that Jesus said it in a wrong way or with the wrong tone or with the wrong motive he's perfect so everything that he said was done it was said perfectly in the right tone in the right context always and so I think that's just kind of a, a a neat model that God gives us to like it's okay sometimes if you have to say something and you've done the motive check, right. Right. Because You're there's right. this other side dude, of, yes. dude, I'm just going to tell you, You're right. You're just going to deal like fine. Right. Like, right. Um, and there's that, right. which, you know, some personalities are more prone to just be like, this is it and suck it up or, yeah. you know, yeah. so checking the motive, because sometimes mm-hmm. that is the approach. Like yeah. th- this is just the truth and you can like it or not, mm-hmm. but Checking the motives is important. Jesus' motives were always pure, right? But he did not, he didn't shrink back, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: he didn't pull back because the young ruler was sad or despondent, right? Um, John Cooper, his podcast, he talks about. He calls it the Sadsies. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I, you know, you got a case of the Sadsies. (laughs) So, but he just didn't. It did not. For a minute, though the way people responded to Jesus did not change what he said. Right. Right. And you can't necessarily
1: also judge or or look back at yourself and say, because someone responded poorly, you said the right wrong thing. Right. right. It's like, oh no, I think that's our human reaction is yes. when someone gets upset with us, we start going, Oh my word, did I not say that correctly? Was I not clear? Was I too harsh? When sometimes it's just that the truth truly does sting. It truly seems like I've heard that somewhere yeah, before. almost like someone says some kind of podcast. Yes. Yeah, someone says that. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's, so again, that's where I think why we said start with your motives and make sure your heart is in the right place, because I think that helps especially when the response isn't super great. Yeah. <laughs> when you tell the truth and someone doesn't, you know, gets upset with you and walks away and, You know, I think the important thing, again, and I think Jesus smiled. This is like he let people walk away from him. But if they would have wanted to circle back, the first one who would have wanted to engage them was Jesus. Right. Right. Not chasing after them. But the door was always open for them to have a conversation with him and circle back once they maybe had time with it.
0: And I think an important piece of that is, you know, if you sense a conversation needs to happen and it's maybe going to be a difficult one is to partner with the Holy spirit in that Yes. because there have been times where hard conversations are coming. And, you know, I, I know you're an eight, you eat hard conversations for breakfast, right? <laughs> like it's all good. This is true. <laughs> uh, I, I do hard conversations. It's not my favorite thing, but yeah. I do them, but I do find that when you partner with the Holy spirit mm-hmm. every single time, it has been the right thing to do. It has been the good thing to do. Right. And it's like, I'm so glad I did that because you hang on to the the interact, whatever it is you need to Mm -hmm. address. It's just kind of there in your mind. And when you sit down and you have a Holy Spirit led conversation with someone, even saying hard things in love at the end of it, you walk away like that was the right thing. Mm -hmm. Mm Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. And even if it is hard for that person to hear, there is something that I believe that God created us with and that truth resonates. Yeah. Whether in that moment or not you want to admit it, that's why people get upset (laughs) when they hear it, right? Is something got to them. Something about it was impactful Mm. or convicting, right? And so... I think that's also another piece to this is when people maybe respond in a way that isn't always.
0: Cause it's a challenge. It's, it's a, a challenge. challenge to my worldview. It's Absolutely. a challenge to how I see myself. It's yeah. a challenge to, because when we all make decisions, we're, we're making decisions mm-hmm. based on, you know, our human reasoning right. and what we think is right. Or, we know what's wrong and we do it anyway, or we've right. been careless. Like there's a million reasons why, but for someone to bring it to your attention is like, right. Oh, you're challenging mm-hmm. my decision-making my mm-hmm. um, how I'm reasoning, mm-hmm. maybe me as a person. And yeah. I think, you know, depending on emotional health, they internalize that. Oh so yeah. You're saying I'm a bad I, person. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely.
1: You don't approve of me because you're saying this hard thing. And, the irony of it is you're actually saying it because you love them so much right? and you want them to be either free of whatever it is, whether it's a false belief or a behavior that's not serving them well or whatever it is, you're saying it because you want that to be addressed and healed and you hopefully want to walk alongside with them and love them with whatever the outcome
0: is regarding addressing it or right. And if it's a conflict with someone, mm-hmm. right, the, the Bible speaks to it a couple of times where we are told as much as it depends on you, you live at peace with everyone. Yes. As much as it depends on you. Mm-hmm. you when you're in, a, in that relationship and you're having that conversation, like you and me, I'm responsible for my half of the conversation. Right. I'm responsible for is doing as everything I can to live at peace with you, but I don't compromise truth. Right. But I give the opportunity. Absolutely. Right. And then there's the Matthew 18 principle of, you know, when you're offended, you go to your brother or sister. Mm -hmm. If that doesn't work, you bring along another one. If that doesn't work, you you know, but we are to work, we're to be peacemakers, not peacekeepers. Exactly. And wow, do we get that mixed up, you know, turned around.
1: Yeah. I think that that's such a good point because as we all know, we're all broken and we're not going to be perfect at caring for people. Because at times our motives will get in the way. I just at need a disclaimer. Will,
0: I need like every every meeting I have just so you know I'm imperfect. Exactly. I just want a sticker <laughs> Can you on sign my desk right here. Exactly.
1: Before <laughs> we say anything else, just know that we all realize this, and so knowing that, what's even more important than even talking about what's the best way to approach it, maybe the first time, even more is. What if we screw it up or we do determine that it's out of a bad motive or we have gone astray with the way we've tried to quote unquote care, following up and being able to reconcile and following up with that person and being able to heal that and say, okay, that wasn't coming from a place that actually had your best interest at heart. That was about me. Yeah, And that's as much about caring as doing it well in the first place is acknowledging when we don't do it well, because we all will have that happen.
0: That's right. I would even add, you know, one of the relationships that's most important to do that in is in our parenting. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, hey, guys, mom was off. Yep. Like, I am sorry. And I've talked to the Lord. I've repented. Mm-hmm. And that came from my anxiety, my fear, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Parents out there, if you have never asked your children
1: for forgiveness, start today. Please say you're sorry. It's okay. <laughs> say you're sorry because they know that you're um broken and fall short and you know that they are broken and fall short right. and so just live in the reality and the truth of that. Isn't that
0: funny? It's like admitting it doesn't change the fact that they already knew it. Exactly. <laughs> Surprise.
1: <laughs> if you ask your kid, "Did you know this?" they'll probably burst out laughing or roll their eyes, right? Um, but yeah, little side note there. Parents, ask for forgiveness from your kids. That is so important. So important. It acknowledges them as a separate human. Mm -hmm. And that's as much a part of caring as maybe making their lunch, You know, loving them, celebrating with them, taking care of them when they're ill. I think we think of all of those caring things as a parent. The deeds. The deeds, the normal stuff that, that fall in that category. But sometimes we leave out the hard things like, hey, I circle back with my kids when I've messed up and I ask them to forgive me. And how can we make this right and reconcile it? Because I guarantee that will bond you to your kid in a way (laughs) that few other things will.
0: Well, and it, it paves the way for other conversations, right? Because if, if you have a parent that will not apologize, never say they're sorry, even when they've clearly crossed the line or been offensive, that, that person's deemed unsafe. Yes. And so it's not going to be a, a, a trusted person mm-hmm. for counsel. Well, at the very least, they've lost credibility. The very yeah. worst, I'm an unsafe
1: person. You know, I mean, absolutely. Yeah, and everything good. in between, for sure. But if you wonder why sometimes maybe you feel like your kids don't listen to you, <laughs> <laughs> that could be part of that because of the credibility gap. That's that, really that's good. occurred. So little side note on the little parenting Unless they're there. a teenage boy. There's a <laughs> lot of things that factor in it. I said,
0: I said to my son, I'm like, you know, sometimes we don't talk about deep things. He's like, like what? (laughs) Give me an example. (laughs) I'm like, oh yeah, teenage boy. Okay. Yeah. I'm just kidding. But yeah, yeah, that's really good. And, and telling truth and love. And I think, gosh, you know, I just think about the church's responsibility to tell the truth first. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, the motive love you know, I I like where kind of you were in the beginning. Like, the how does matter a little bit, like, as much as you know. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if I'm sitting with someone and I don't know them right very well and I have to say something, my disclaimer is always like, hey, just, you know, I just want to make it clear. Like, I mess stuff up all the time. I am not sitting across from you as someone who claims to be perfect or have arrived. Um, But if it's someone I know... Like, you know, I have a friend who's an Enneagram two, who's a helper and, um, it tends to have a more sensitive side, especially regarding relationships. So I know I handle that person mm-hmm. differently right. than I handle my friend who is an eight or yes. my friend who is a nine. It's, it's knowing people and asking questions and, and having, um, awareness, awareness mm-hmm. of yourself, awareness of others huge Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. this regard.
1: Absolutely. And that's, yeah, caring for people, you can't do that if you don't know them very well. You can only do that at a certain level. So again, there's, you know, kind of those markers of, if you don't know them very well, check yourself first and that will put you in a good position. But to your point, awareness and again, hearing people's stories and understanding their wiring helps you encourage them in the way that they actually can receive it or and you know or confront them in a way where they can actually receive it or at least you have enough of a relationship where they can circle back with you and revisit it even if it stings a little bit yeah so investing the time that's where again I think with care we think of deeds like the normal deeds Mm -hmm. like I'm going to take a casserole to someone or I'm going to you know all those things are wonderful but do we really do the hard work to really get to know the people around us well enough to say, how do you feel cared for best? But that always stays within the parameters of God's truth. It will right. never go outside of that. So there's a lot of freedom and preference within the boundaries of the right. truth. <laughs> yeah, that's good. But you, I'm never going to step outside of that. You as don't far
0: sacrifice as, the truth. Absolutely. For the quote unquote care. I'm doing yes. air quotes. I'm you doing, I you am doing, yeah,
1: I'm doing him too. So I think <laughs> I, she, I'm like contagious because I'm doing the air quotes now. Tina's <laughs> doing the air quotes and you guys can see this.
0: But you know, two other examples came to mind from scripture, uh, which is the woman caught in adultery mm-hmm. and the woman at the well. Um, you know, women, uh, during the history of the Bible had, you know, their, their role in life was a lot more complicated in some ways they surviving without a husband. It was a very patriarchal, um, community Mm -hmm. society, however you want to say it. Anyway, Mm -hmm. my point is when the woman caught in adultery was brought out and the, the townsmen, the rulers, they, they were ready to stone her, which was biblical. That Mm -hmm. was following the The law. law. Um, Jesus' approach with her was a tender and be so truthful. Yes, where he he stands in the gap, and he doesn't tell her it's okay. I know you've had a rough childhood, and so you know it's not really a sin because of you've been hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just assuming she had a rough childhood, just in context, but yeah. I don't really know that. But my point is, he didn't come alongside her and say it's okay. Right, he said he challenged what was happening because she was being condemned and judged by people who were in the same situation. You know, they're, they're sinners. Right. Um, and he said like he, who, um, has no sin cast the first stone. So he kind of stands up for her and, and intercedes in the gap for her. But then he does look at her and say, now go and sin no more. Right. Same with the woman at the well who had multiple husbands. Right. And that was not, right according to the law. Mm-hmm. But Jesus said, was gentle with her, but truthful. Yeah. And she's like, Well, I've had, you know, I don't I remember I don't have my Bible in front of me. But mm-hmm. he said, Yeah, what you're saying is true. This man is your fifth right husband or your your fifth. And um and basically he sends her off and says, No, you're right. This is you've not been living right. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't say, you know, I'm going to beat you up with some truth here. He just says, yes, you're right. That's not okay. I love you. Know, basically, the message you hear is out of love. Please go and sin no more. You're right. forgiven. Go and sin no more. Right. So the the love didn't cancel out the truth of correcting mm-hmm. how they'd been living. Right.
1: Right. And I I wonder. And again, we don't know. We know what we know from the Bible about that story and that woman. But I have to believe in there may be a part of her that although it was hard for him to, hard for her to hear that from him, there's a part of her that felt known and maybe felt relief. Mm -hmm. Like I'm, he knows. He not only knows, but he's still talking to me. Ah, what a gift. (laughs) He knows. And I'm, I'm known. I'm seen. And in that culture, a woman to me, you know, I mean, no one give her the time of day, right? right? And so he spoke to her and even though what it was, was hard. He cared about her enough to address it, to extend freedom to her. Go oh. and sin no more. You don't have to live this way. There's a different way.
0: There's a different path for you. That's so good. And if you've seen um, The Chosen. yes. Do you remember that scene in The Chosen? Mm-hmm. Um, he also uses her uh, and tells her that he's the Messiah. Yeah. And at the end of that conversation, I love how they portrayed it in that in that series, because she's so happy. Yeah. So free. Yeah. Just telling everyone, smile on her face. Like, have you heard? Have you heard? Like, right. listen to what he did for me. Like, right. just so free. Uh-huh. and And that is the truth, right? Yeah. That's what the truth does. Right. And releasing
1: you from a narrative in your life that has shackled you, that has so much shame attached to it. And just by bringing it into the light and recognizing it, but saying there's a different way. You don't have to live under this anymore. There's a different way.
0: I have to bring up a reference. I can't (laughs) believe I'm going to do this. (laughs) Pastor Nathan is going to have a ball with this. So I was at a writing retreat this weekend and our team bonding was watching the Lord of the Rings. Oh, okay. I went in a little more than reluctantly, (laughs) but... But the other image, if, if anyone's seen the movie, is, have you seen the Lord of the I, Rings movie? I have not. Okay. I'm one of, yeah, I'm,
1: yeah, I know people are just shaking their head right now, but no. I know. I'm not.
0: I'm like, what, have, what am I doing right now? This is a whole new level of geekdom. <laughs> Sorry, Lord of the Rings fans. But um, I did actually really enjoy the movies, but there's a character in it, and um, he's obsessed over this ring. Mm. The ring has power. And the the power of the ring is evil. And so it makes you crave the ring and want mm-hmm. the ring. And the only comfort you have is when you have the ring mm. and it corrupts him so much. He becomes this horrible creature, like a, I don't know what you'd call him. It, it, it's very much like what you would picture, like a demon kind yeah. of thing. But there's a moment where he sees hope in, um, Rodo, who's going to go get rid of the ring and he has some freedom and he jumps around. He's like, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. But then the minute offense comes, he gets offended at him. He goes back to that ring and he wants that ring back because that's his comfort. And mm. that's, that's what he needs to have be okay in the world. Mm. And it's like that temptation to hang on to like the woman at the well, like she didn't reject because the temptation could have been, this is my life. This right. is what I know. Right. This is how I do. Right. <laughs> and you're telling right. me to go and sin no more. Like, I don't have another way of functioning in the world right. right now. But she grabbed a hold of what Jesus said. Right. And experienced that freedom.
1: Right. And especially in that day, what she didn't have a lot of choices to go. <laughs> I mean, that's risky. Honestly. To respond to him. Honestly. It would have been easy to be like, okay, can we act like this never happened? And I'm just going to go back to my thing. I mean, you know. Right. That's in some ways would have been easier but she heard the truth and it captured her yeah it's like i can't go back now
0: and i think you know bringing it to our culture mm-hmm. not we've talked about the church and we've talked right. about in friendships and parenting and family you know one of the plagues of our culture is mm-hmm. this idea that to speak truth is unloving right if what you say is against me or what i want to do that is unloving and you're hateful Right. And that's so backwards. So backwards. Yeah. And we're seeing this in, you know, churches are accepting things. Society is accepting things, calling evil what is good Mm. and calling good evil. Mm -hmm. That if you're going to tell me truth, you're going to tell me that what I want to do is wrong. That is evil and hateful. Mm-hmm. and to even see churches bend to that a little bit is hard. Yeah. It's hard to hear.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But that is the message right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't say things without being called a name mm-hmm. if it doesn't agree with the general population or mm-hmm. culture, for lack of a better word. Mm-hmm. So again, so important for us
1: to be biblically literate. Mm, that's good, yeah. <laughs> right? Because I think that sometimes... That's where people get a little on shifting sand with, <laughs> with their responses to things is it's like, well, okay, I said what I thought was true, but maybe it isn't true. I don't know. I haven't, you know, dove into the Bible enough to confirm that I heard that somewhere and now someone's calling me a hater or someone's saying that right. I'm not being caring and I can't respond to that with confidence because I'm scripturally illiterate. Wow, that's right.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, because aren't you even hearing now, well, but that's my truth. Right. Like, if we're talking about telling the truth in love, we got to make sure, you know, we're all on the same page on, like, where the truth is coming from. Right. Because that is the thing. But it's my truth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then there are those that would say there's no absolute truth, which is such an... an <laughs> the irony in that statement never ceases to like i'm like really because that is an that's a truth that's a statement that you're saying right. is true right <laughs> i'm like right. you literally are just undoing what's coming out of your right. mouth right now like you right. can't that's where you're going to put your stake in the ground is that there is no absolute truth <laughs> and because that's, that's the true, truth right yeah well yeah so everyone believes in a truth no one ever really believes in moral relativity everyone's got their own set of
1: rules and boundaries and things they won't cross. And so when you start diving into your values and those, you'll get to what people, (laughs) what their truth
0: is. I mean, and it comes back to that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, one of the things I will take a couple more minutes here because I think this leads into culture, you know, um, what is your truth we, we know, and, the, the Bible is our truth. We believe every word that God spoke um, and continues to speak to us through his Holy Spirit, using his word, is true. Mm-hmm. There's not an argument there. But I think what has happened with a lot of people, because I think there's many people who do believe that's the truth, mm-hmm. but you're right, they may not know the Bible or they don't feel like they know the Bible enough. Right. Um, which is sort of a um, rebuke to the to the church and as a whole, like we we should be opening Bibles <laughs> and right We should be doing Bible studies. We should be learning God's Word. But the social media because mm-hmm. that's where a lot of these arguments take place. And what I've seen is people try to stand up for the truth, but then it takes one person. I can't believe you're this hateful. Mm-hmm. you know. And, and then the trolls come and it's just boom, 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 boom. And I think we have become so afraid of, gosh, I don't know, rejection, I guess. or re- We've become afraid of the mean tweets, mm-hmm. the the social media pushback. Mm-hmm. And I think for those who are listening and saying, well, I believe in the truth, but it's just not worth hmm you know, it's not worth all of that. I like peace, right? So people will disengage for the sake of peace. Mm-hmm. I've been guilty of that myself. Like I've put things out there and I'm like, am I am I up for this right now? <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> That's going to take some energy to respond to that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And uh, we had earlier on a earlier podcast, I think our, our second one with Pastor Micah and Pastor Nathan. Pastor Micah um, at our Life Church Noblesville campus said something to me once that was really kind of a head tilt moment for me. And he said, the thing about social media is when you put something out there and he said, it'll get really hot, really fast. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And then everyone thinks this is the end of me. I'm going to die. (laughs) Like this, this is as worse as bad as it's going to get. Right. And he said, if people will just breathe and pray and relax, that goes out as fast as it came up. Mm-hmm. Like that next day, it's, it's, you know, gonna go away. Right. Um, I don't know. I haven't, I, I don't, I don't push social media tons as far as being, um, I'm bold. I don't, I, I speak truth. I basically am on social media so I can share the truth mm-hmm. um, with people but man, when it comes to like politics and stuff, I'm like I'm out of my league on that. <laughs> but <laughs>
1: well, I just think it it makes it so difficult when you are sharing sensitive subjects, when you can't sit across from someone and see their body language and hear their tone of voice and mm, yeah. have context for it. Uh, that's what I think gets lost through technology, and so it's very easy to Said. shoot shoot something back or react instead of respond when you don't see the human behind the comment or I'll often say to people if if something blows up on social media I'm like so would you have said that to a person like someone in person like I know mm-hmm. you did your technological confidence is what I call it that's good <laughs> is you're really confident when you're typing that thing out but if you had to sit across from that person or sit across from someone that you spoke
0: about or what it would Would it be the same? Yeah, because there's no feedback when you're just typing. Exactly. It's easy to shoot it one way. And the thing that is hard to communicate, you might be able to communicate truth, but is the love part That's there.
1: That's the wraparound. Can you read
0: the love in the tone? Yes. It's always better to do face-to-face. Absolutely. And I know, you know, personally, I know Pastor Nathan, Pastor Micah do that quite a bit. I'm just gonna decline that for Pastor Micah. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's calling Pastor Micah. <laughs> um, they will often private message and like, hey, let's grab coffee mm-hmm. and talk about this. Cause you yeah. know, even they know, even though you know Michael will stir up water on social media, he does know yes. it's always better face to face. And the motive is love. Yes. Um, yeah. This is really good. we talked about truth and love in so many contexts mm-hmm. in 38 minutes. Wow. That's pretty impressive, actually. That, that is pretty We, we might be actually good something. at this.
1: Wait. <laughs> I'm just kidding.
0: I don't think we should give up our day jobs, so let's just put it I that I right? totally agree with you. <laughs> But this has been really good. You know, I think this kind of topic, truth and love, will come up with almost every topic yeah. we talk about because it's yes. what you and I do. Like, Yes. we. And I think every topic, anytime we have for coffee, we always end up on truth and love. Yes. And and, and ultimately, who we're wanting to model that after
1: is how would Jesus have handled the right. subject matter. It's like, what do we see in scripture? How did he Um, carry himself. What did he say? How did he behave? How did he handle these types of things? How did he care for people? And that's always the bottom line for us. No matter what our human opinions are, that's what we always want to go back to.
0: Maybe we should start a new trend instead of what would Jesus do? That was kind of what, 80s? Yeah. 90s? What would Jesus say? Mm -hmm. I see merch coming. Merch. Yeah. Merchandise, t-shirts, bracelets. What would Jesus say? Wow. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Yeah. I'm not that person, <laughs> but it is a good question to ask when you have to do truth and love. Yeah. How would Jesus handle this? Yeah. Well, hey guys, hope this has been helpful. Yeah. It's always fun to talk to you, Wendy, especially about this stuff. Yes. Love it. All right, guys. Well, hey, we hope that this has helped you in some way. It's helped me. I take notes from Wendy every time we talk. <laughs> But hey, thanks for joining us on this episode of Shooting Straight. I'm Tina. And I'm Wendy. And we love truth. Even when it hurts. Yikes.